We are back, and okay, we're talking about the most amazing musical of all time. I'm biased, mm. but... <laughs> you are very biased. Okay, so you know what, what happened? Like, my mom actually started listening to the podcast, and apparently my dad was, like, talking to me on the phone. He's like, yeah, she says it's good. She just thinks you, sh- you guys, or you at least, need to be more confident. And I'm like, oh, you want confidence? Fine, we're doing Les Mis. I am beyond confident in my knowledge of that. I am borderline narcissistic, more narcissistic in how confident I am and how much I know about that. So, <laughs> Yeah, that's very true. Uh, I'm quite the opposite. <laughs> I'm like, there's a good, like, literally thousand of characters in here. Thousands. No. <laughs> Oh. I don't well, even know how to start this. I do. Oh, do you remember that? Okay, fair, but you you know you know the musical pretty well. We did sing it like the entire way home from the Dickens Fair one time. We sang the entire musical. And your poor cousin. Yeah, I one hundred percent did not rewatch it because I was like, I don't need to watch this again to know what's <laughs> happening. <laughs> you didn't want to see the costumes though? I mean, that's what pictures are for. Ah, uh, yes. Yes, yes, yes. Well, I rewatched so. it because I definitely didn't need to, but I wanted to. <laughs> that's fair. You're nut job. My voice was so cracked the next day. Okay, anyway, uh, welcome to Tailcoats. And Tiaras! Okay, uh, gross. do you want... What? <laughs> Did you say gross? <laughs> it sounds so weird on my end. Ah. Uh... uh. Okay. Sorry, what? I interrupted you. Oh, no, no, Actually, cool. you interrupted yourself. Yeah, I did. I did. Um, do you want me to start? Like, I can start today if you want, and then because since I kind of am, like, a super geek, like, I'm sure you did research on what the costumer's vision was and everything, and if you want to, like, interject with that while I nerd out, would that appropriate in this situation Uh, how about how about you let me start a little bit about the costume designer and then we can get into more stuff okay with historical aspects um because i kind of just tried to do a general overall thing because i can't go into this many characters in detail um cool so the costume designer for Les Mis, was, again, Paco Delgado, who also did the costume design for um, The Danish Girl, which we just did. And I actually found out in my research for this one that he, basically his style of costume design and research is that he gets really into the actual material and like the author who writes it he does a lot of research on that and kind of trying to go into an analytical mindset of what these characters are like which is fairly normal for costume designers but he also relies a lot on the artwork of the time so Mm. with Les Mis he went and he looked at all of the a lot of different, more realistic artwork of the time in order to see what the women were wearing and how to portray them and 
well, the men too, just general people. Um, yeah. And through that, he could look at different classes and different ethnicities and really get a good general and wide view of what that time period consisted of. Um, yeah, which I think is awesome. probably why they ended up choosing him for the Danish girl to be their costume designer is because that movie is literally about an artist painting painting yeah. um one of the characters in it. So I thought that was really cool and it ties everything together. Um but for this movie he talked a lot about how it was a challenge because there are so many characters and you're going between a time span of, what was it, 10 years? It's more than 10 years. It's a lot more than 10 years. Um, but there's like a time jump even. Yeah. Um, he talked about the 10-year time jump with Cosette and Eponine and how they switch um, from... Eponine being the doll-like one and Cosette being the, like, raggedy one to them being older and it's completely flipped around. Right. Um, yeah. But he did a lot of research on just how to, mostly how to portray those classes. Um, and then threw in bits about the characters Something he also did, which I don't know which costume specifically, um, but one of Miss Madame Thenardier's costumes, I think it's the, um, the one, like, around Christmas time where her skirt is kilted and she has the oh, red yeah. bodice. Um, the embellishments are actually inspired from stuff that women in Spain would wear at the time because that we found out sense. in the show I could be wrong it could not be that costume but I'm pretty sure it's that one that I mean it sounds um, right what it sounds right yeah during the production he had a talk with Lena Bottom Carter and found out that her mother is actually from Spain as well um the costume designer is from Spain originally. And so he wanted to go back and rework some of her costumes to have a little bit more of a Spanish touch, huh, which fun. I'm not a huge fan of because you're supposed to be turning the person into the character, not the character into the actor, you know? But, but it works for the character. Like she's, I mean, I can go more into this later. She's like super quirky and it, it, absolutely i think fits the character yeah i don't know i have mixed feelings about it okay like there there are ways that it can fit the character but i don't feel like it pinpoints the like main parts of her okay fair i i don't think specifically a spanish touch was necessary like maybe if they added in bits from other places and different cultures it would make sense yeah or if there was some clashing between the cultures shown in her costumes, because that would show more of the quirkiness of her. Yeah. But, yeah. Hmm. I don't know. That bugs me. <laughs> and I, I should have honestly looked, I mean, I didn't know that, but I would have looked into more, like, Spanish uh, 
um, clothing of the time. Because I don't, yeah, I, interesting. It's cool. Yeah. Um, I mean, I just kind of am guessing it's that one because it looks closest to any form of Spanish costume yeah. I have seen yeah. before. So. Well, the only other costumes are like when she's in poverty and then, you know, the wedding outfit, which, yeah. I mean, she is in poverty in that one, but yes. <laughs> I mean, yes, but like she's somehow acquired that fancy, I probably stole it, but anyway. She definitely stole it. <laughs> <laughs> Which can make it make a little more sense, but I still feel like there should be things from other cultures. Like, if she's stealing things from guests, that's where it's coming from in my head. That's the way that it works. Then yeah. she would, like, steal things from other guests from other areas in the world. So there should be hints. Um, uh, one, one second. Sorry? Oh, hi. I am back. I heard a cute puppy. Yes, that's Pip. Or Lexi. <laughs> okay. Oh, yeah, I'm at Matt's um, farm. Family's farm right now, so that's, yes. I kind of put that together. <laughs> so, the only other, like, specific costume that... I actually went slash heard in depth on is Fontaine's red dress mm -hmm. when she goes out and becomes a lovely lady. Um, and they talked about the kind of growth is not the right word, but change with her yeah. from going to being sweet and innocent and working in the little sewing shop to being out on the streets um and you know being a lovely lady and they originally didn't have a red dress for her i don't know what the dress was originally but it was lighter and delgado talked about how he and Anne Hathaway had a conversation about the dress and they decided that it needed to be a little harsher. Um, I don't think that red is a very harsh color, but... Maybe they meant bright? Goes... What? Maybe they meant brighter? No, no, he said harsher. Hmm. That was his words. Um, it needed to be a harsher color, but when... Uh, at the beginning of the movie, when you have the men in the prison, they are also wearing red, and the shades of red on her dress match the shades of red on their uniforms. Interesting. I thought there was theirs yeah. were more of a rust, but yeah, it's still red. There are different shades within it. Yeah. It's, yeah. Different layers of clean, I guess. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> um, yeah. But I thought that was really interesting. Yeah. Uh, I wasn't sure if that was intentional or not, but I like that it went back to that because she is kind of imprisoned in there. Like, yeah. she didn't choose this life. This is just where she ended up having to be. Right, right. Yeah. Um, Very fascinating. Yeah. And then he talked about um, Jean Valjean and, like, 
the progression of time. That was one of his favorite characters to work on because over the time he goes from being a convict to being like this well put together man who just wants to help other people. Um, and so we see him going from his prison uniform to like something a little more raggedy and off the streets to like a nice kind of not rich, not showing off, but decently dressed man. And then even when he's pretty wealthy, he doesn't look like he's rubbing it in people's faces. Which right. Is nice. Yeah. Um, oh, yes. My last thing was that the Tenardiers were meant to be like the sole color of the film. So all their costumes. Yes. Are supposed to be the most colorful ones. I think that that's accurate. Yeah. Okay. That's all my stuff. I did there... it. I got it in 15 minutes. That's all of it? Uh-huh. I mean, I'll Whoa. probably comment as you go. Yeah, please do. Those are my main points. Oh my gosh. Okay. <laughs> I am impressed. Thank you. <sighs> you should be. I, I definitely am. So, here we go. Oh, do you want to list your sources just so we don't get sued? Oh, um, yeah. Let me find them real quick. There's some YouTube videos. Um craft feature costume design posted by Les Miserables Films um interview Paco Delgado on the event working on Les Mis and I can't see the rest of that title but posted by Super Pop VIP yeah uh and then latina.com had a article about him Oh, cool. That I read. Pretty sure that was the one. Sounds good. That's everything. Okay, so my sources... Oh, I have so many. Various fashion plates, various sketches, various illustrations. um, The ultimate uh, fashion history video on 1830s and 1840s fashion. uh, The novel by Victor Hugo, because he wrote a lot about the... What people wore. Um, and then author Ellie Valzen's Tumblr post, uh, which uh, is called Men's Fashion Circa 1830 Coats. Uh, and, you know, Tumblr, I know, isn't always reputable, but this person definitely did a lot of research. So, uh, Also, the Library of Congress website. And finally, Sprigged Muslin's article called Fashion in Film, colon, Les Miserables. So, not going to talk too, too much about 1815 or 1823, just touch on them a little bit. So 1850, you see them, they're working in uh, the, you know, the prisoners are in the Bagne de Toulon, which was basically the galley slave place uh, where they were working. Uh, so I found very, very few images of what prisoners and guards wore there. But what I did find does resemble what we do see in the movie. So, you know, Javert's sort of nightcap hat that's not obviously a nightcap, but looks like one. Uh, The sort of rust-colored prisoner uniforms. I don't know if they had some sources that I did not have access to, but, you know, 
from what I can see, looks pretty good. Uh, so now I'm going to move on to 1823 and talk about Fantine. So the first dress we see her in is this pink dress, uh, and it looks a little old for the 1820s, but, you know, she's not super rich. Like, she's she's okay, but, you know, she's she's doing with what she can. So I don't think, I think it makes sense that she might have something that's a little out of date. Um, I think her hair probably should have been worn up because back then only like little girls were their hair down and if she wants to look like she's actually hiding something right so she wants to she would want to look as professional as possible and yeah I mean there are a lot of characters that I'm like they would normally wear their hair up but especially Fontaine in this scene she would have it up she wants to make a good impression she's working and I see why they probably had it down because there's that line, what pretty hair, what pretty locks, yeah, yeah, yeah. But she could have, they could have put it up and like had like some more curls and stuff. And in fact, the curls are more like waves in this. So yeah, I'm a little uh, unsure why they chose that hairstyle, but whatever, they did. <laughs> so, and then you see her uh, gray dress which, uh, and also you can see later she's, that's, this is when she's first going into, uh, the docks where there are all the sex workers and she's selling her hair and her teeth and everything. Um, and you can see the gray dress is a lot more distressed and dirty. So you can see her situation, uh, during, uh, I dreamed a dream, the song, it's unclear to me whether she's changed or whether her dress has just been torn so much that now you can see the corset underneath. But um, I did notice that she does have what looks to be a corded corset, which is what they would have worn. Um, and I was just excited to see that because I'm actually going to work on making one of my own of those. And I was like, oh, that looks familiar. Uh, so that's cool. Um, uh, are you talking about the like pink and white corset? I think so. It's it's really yeah, it was a really dress. Okay. Well, there we go. That shows that I guess time has passed a lot since I was I'm used to like the musical on stage where really she doesn't change at all because for the sake of, you know, being on stage. So I guess I just assumed it was the same dress. But yeah, in the movie you can show that so much time has passed. So, yeah. Anyway, corded corset is what they probably would have worn at the time. Didn't get a great look at it, but from what I can see, looks pretty good. Um, and by good, I mean distressed and everything. And then, yeah, just to touch on the red dress, uh, it seems to be the right silhouette of the time. Again, quite distressed and tattered. And, uh, I mean, considering the circumstances, I don't, I couldn't find a ton of information about what sex workers wore during that time period. Ooh. Oh, Ooh, I have an answer. Oh, yay! Um, so they actually tended to wear a lot of sheer fabrics. Okay. So you could actually kind of see through them. Um, and they were obviously thin and a little flowy. Um, that's very similar to the style that they wore, the dress that she mm -hmm. has. Uh, it would probably have a little less fluff than that, but... yeah. Well, and I guess if, that. I guess if it was, you know, the, if they're going to keep this, what, PG, PG-13 rated, they're not going to have sheer and then nudity right underneath, so. Yeah. That makes sense. But. But, yeah. 
Sorry? Uh, it's pretty sheer. He talks about it in one of those videos I was talking oh, cool. about. Cool, yeah, because I couldn't I find... Was, I feel like I watched a third video, but I, I don't know where it went. <laughs> well, you're you're not claiming credit as your own, so... Obviously, there's another video, yep. and we can... We can... If you find it, shout it out whenever. Um. So, yeah, and... uh. Because there weren't that many sources, yeah, I couldn't really find. But I will say the silhouette did look about right. Again, maybe a little bit earlier in the 19th century because of their, uh, you know, social class and everything. But yeah, it, it from what the resource, what resources they had, I imagine that sounds about right. Adapting the silhouette to the situation. Uh, okay, so the Tenardiers now. Monsieur and Madame Thénardier, uh, they're not exactly historical, obviously, but they are wacky characters, so I'm inclined to believe that they would have worn weird clothing thinking they looked really high class when in reality they just looked tacky. Uh, every era has that kind of person. I think we all know that. So you <laughs> went into, yeah, <laughs> right? Uh, you went into the Spanish aspect, which, um, I think you're right. If she was, she probably would have taken a bunch from a bunch of different cultures. I think if if it was going to be mixed like that, um, but it also just looks like she probably, I don't know. The colors are ridiculous, and I think it works personally because it's it's just so weird, and it's something that probably could have existed back then, even if it wasn't like the fashion. She thought she was so quirky and cool, and like. Super high oh, class. Yeah. yeah. Uh, same with Monsieur Tenardier's outfit. Like, he's wearing actually a jacket and hat that are inspired by Napoleon because in the novel, he actually tells the story about how he was this war hero during the Napoleonic War, um, which he wasn't, at least not on purpose, but he totally milks it for the crowd. So the fact that he's wearing that outfit is kind of like, you can imagine him telling this story every single night in this outfit. Because that's just the kind of guy he is. And I want... Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, San... Delgado went pretty intense looking at the actual book for details yeah. about costumes. Because he wrote a lot, like, in the books about what they're... Oh, Victor Hugo like. wrote so freaking much. And it's amazing. So... I did want to talk about Santa just because there's this uh, myth that Santa was not like a thing until the 1950s, which is what made him iconic with the Coca-Cola ads. But actually, he did exist back before that. It's like really an old legend, to be honest. Uh, lots of versions of it, uh, you know, starting with St. Nicholas or Father Christmas, and it's just evolved. But when I was trying to look at to see, you know, any historical uh inspiration in the santa outfit i found like the closest thing i could find was this publication in um the let's see where was it it was the library of congress congress website so they had pictures of a publication from 1962 of the poem A Visit from St. Nicholas, which actually is now called uh, The Night Before Christmas. And that was actually published first in 1822. The closest I could find were some illustrations from 1862. 
and he looks like he's wearing some yellowish or green outfit so red wasn't mm. necessarily the santa thing i'm sure he could have worn red because there was it was less iconic you know so there's probably lots of different outfits that could have been santa but he does have the beard and he does have like a pointy hat so and i can see that uh the guy you know with the red cross hat kind of implies like the saint nicholas thing so it's an interesting interpretation that could have been plausible i suppose wanted to look into that though so now moving on to 1832 which is when the really the main stuff happens the revolution and everything I did a lot of research on men's coats, so I'm going to, before talking about specific characters, go into that. Uh, the fashionable male silhouette, it was kind of a less extreme version of the female silhouette, like much less extreme, but they had, you know, broad sleeves and chest, broad hips, narrow waist, even male corsets were a thing. Uh, the silhouette isn't extremely prominent in the movie, probably because it like, to modern audiences, it would look kind of strange and really feminine for today, but I kind of love it, so I wish they had more of the, you know, really narrow waist and more structured look. Um, so the types of coats that men wore during this time, they would have had, like, a short coat po uh, possibility. They could have used tail coats, frock coats. A tail coat was, like, older and more formal so as we talked about in austin land which was earlier they had a bunch of tailcoats then so that's been was around longer a frock coat could uh could still be worn somewhat formally and the i'm in quotes skirt uh wrapped around all the way while a tailcoat only hung at the back uh short coats you don't see a ton of them formally they're more like working class but they're basically kind of like a tailcoat without the tail so yeah. Uh, and so the tails from tailcoats came in lots of different sizes, lengths, widths, etc. They often had like fancy lining on the inside. I've got some great fashion plates I can share on Instagram. And uh, yeah, you, so you can see like the students, you can see one of them's wearing like a frock coat. One's, you know, not wearing one at all. Just in the picture I'm looking at, uh, Marius, Marius, whatever, has a nice tail coat in some scenes. Um, the coats typically had this kite shape in the back because of how the seams were sewn, which is different to how they're sewn today. So I really will have to show a picture of this as well. But you can see during empty chairs at empty tables, you can kind of see that look on Marius's coat. And so I'm just going to put a side-by-side -side on Facebook so you can see that because really it's not something I can describe, but it is quite interesting. So black and blue were most formal colors, the most formal colors for coats. Brown was also acceptable, and you can see Marius is wearing a brown coat, which shows that he's trying his best to look good but may not be able to afford the fanciest. Um, and then we see other colors worn by students, but, you know, they're young, they're very outspoken, so they wouldn't necessarily follow the status quo entirely, like, especially since they're revolutionaries after all. And, uh, you know, they're not necessarily trying to be formal or anything, so they could have worn lots of different colored coats reasonably. Uh, and you see others in fashion plates. You see purple coats, you see green coats, so even though blue and black was more common for a formal look, there definitely were other colors 
And also, I just gotta say, Algera is not Algera if he's not wearing red. I'm pretty sure he has red and black underwear. Like, his whole, he's just gonna wear red. I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, right? <laughs> oh, God. Anyway. Do they make those? Sorry? Oh, no, I mean, I mean, today he would have red and black underwear. Red and black pajamas. Red and black whatever you know okay not back then (laughs) no i thought if he could it's like (laughs) that doesn't seem right no i that was a joke (laughs) (laughs) Um, so collars and lapels were worn in a sort of rolled look and they would have like a high collar again because they wanted to look you know the broad shoulders and stuff and uh they could also be notched or they could be both so like i talked about in austin land the notched uh lapels but you see valjean he wears a lot of like the rolled high collars that also have these this notch there's one i think when he's like going away uh there's almost like this giant v like flapping out it's very big and Marius, you can see in empty chairs and empty tables his is sort of rolled but i think the students have more of the notched lapels uh than the rolled don't know if that was an intentional decision or what but so yeah we got that uh women's fashion the silhouette was quite wide so like wide skirts wide sleeves wide bonnets and very doll like uh the lower they had a lower waistline kind of like the regency period and this technically is not the victorian period yet by the way because queen victoria would not take the throne until 1837 so technically it's just interesting i've always considered this part of the victorian period because it's so close but technically it's not uh but anyway yeah so the waistline will have dropped a little bit from uh the regency period but it's not quite to the natural waist yet but it's getting there um skirts would show ankles uh but like not to be sexy which would have been the case in like the 18th century if you showed your ankles that was like a sexy thing uh this was more to show again the doll-like look and you probably can already guess what i'm talking about when i say gigo sleeves uh gigo is short for gigo d'agneau in french which is leg of lamb because the sleeves literally look like leg of lamb um and the french like to shorten everything so mcdonald's is mcdo the champs Elysees is les champs instagram is insta just french people love shortening their words uh these sleeves are stuffed with what's what are we're called sleeved plumpers and they kind of just look like round pillows do you know what i'm talking about when i'm talking about these sleeves i think like pretty much all the sleeves in the 18 uh 32 part of the movie you'll see you'll see uh the dress that Madame Thénardier is wearing to the wedding, big, round, poofy sleeves. All of Cosette's dresses, except for her nightgown, big, round, yeah, poofy Cinderella sleeves. sleeves. Mm, bigger than that, like, huge. Like, Cinderella but, sleeves like, are poofy. The but... idea of Cinderella sleeves. Yeah, but more like facing downward. More like a leg of lamb, <laughs> honestly. But yeah. I don't know what a leg of lamb looks like. I'm the wrong audience for that phrase. <laughs> Okay, well, I mean, just basically giant, bigger than Cinderella poofs. And while Cinderella's poofs kind of go up, these actually slope down a little bit. And they're huge. Um, Even her wedding dress had all of Cosette's dresses. And 
another popular thing for women to wear on top of this was called a pelerine, which is like the large fichu that covered the shoulders, which you can see kind of, you can see kind of one is attached to Cosette's wedding dress. And also you can see her wearing one in the scene where she's greeting Marius after empty chairs at empty tables and the uh, heart full of love reprise. You know what I'm talking about? Sorry. I looked up a picture. Yeah. I did know what you were talking about. Okay. Well, cool. Uh, makes sense. I found a really pretty picture of one. The It's how to make one. A pelerine? It's a tutorial for a pattern. That's cool. That's awesome. Send that I'm to me this after. To you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, guess what I'm making next? No, I'm not because I have so much I want to make. But one day, one day. Uh, oh, should, okay. Yes. You should put it on our podcast. Oh, uh, yes, we Instagram should. Instagram page. That's a good idea. I'll do that. Um, that way people can see what it is and make it. Oh, and then they can tag us in it and show us their creations. <gasps> that would be great. That would be awesome. Okay, you guys that should be do it. it. Okay. So, yeah. And then they have, like, tons of adornments and embellishments all over their outfits to show wealth. Uh, you'll see, like, Cosette doesn't have that. Her clothes are less adorned, but that's likely because she was raised by Valjean, who believed in sharing wealth rather than flaunting it. So, but... Normally, you would see a lot more embellishment, just tons of ribbons, bows, flowers. Um, and you see a lot of deep-brimmed deep funnel-like bonnets, and you can definitely see that on Cosette, like when she f first shows up when she's older, that huge uh, brim. It's, I think it's very pretty. Some people probably hate it. Uh, yeah, and uh, again, the hair was worn up if you were older so usually with a lot of decorations again to show wealth uh cosette's hair is not worn up i'll get to that later but let's talk about eponine so there isn't tons of information of what people like in lower classes would have worn at the time so i'll give them that but while samantha barks looks great the costume just doesn't look right to me especially since he did a lot of like research reading the book and normally I would say that even lower class women would wear corsets, but Victor Hugo made a point of Eponine being the lowest of the low in terms of money, especially to show the contrast from when she was younger to now. So in the book, her shirt is like literally falling off and revealing her bare skin. Uh, not saying it all has to be like the book, but the extreme poverty is important in both the book and the musical. It's called Les Miserables uh, for the love of god uh so the idea that she'd have such a structured corset or even like that leather belt does that make sense to me uh that being said i do think she'd try to try to make herself look presentable by wearing her hair up somehow especially since she's got this crush on marius she i think would a string is not that hard to find i think she would make an effort um and yeah. you know even like a string for a belt i feel like she would have it, it should have looked more like she was trying to do something with what she uh, had, but so I mean, I even read somewhere I think that the shirt was made of like silk or something, and I'm like, where would she have gotten silk? That doesn't make sense. But Samantha Barks is gorgeous anyway, so who cares? I do, but whatever. Uh, and then yeah, just to emphasize that, I'm gonna read a quote from the book about what Eponine's clothes are like. So 
It says, yeah, it was a pale she, pale, puny, meager creature, nothing but a chemise and a skirt covered a shivering and chilly nakedness. A string for a belt, a string for a headdress, sharp shoulders protruding from the chemise, a blonde and lymphatic pallor, dirty shoulder blades, and it just kind of goes on and on and on. And then even like when they're talking about her moving around, this is when she's first um, going into Marius's room in the book. Their relationship is different in the book. So, but she's going into his room and just looking around. And he says, she bustled about regardless of her nakedness. At times, her chemise unfastened, unfastened and torn fell almost to her waist. So really, this is like, she's at the point where she barely has anything. And again, book is different from the musical, but I think the whole situation and how how low she was on the social in social class should have been shown more um but she's still my favorite character whatever she wears um <laughs> going to Cosette again to talk about the hair I get that she's been sheltered uh but her hair should still have been worn up when she was older otherwise Marius probably wouldn't have been attracted to her right away because she looked like a little girl and that would just be creepy uh so, and yeah, like Jean Valjean still sees Cosette as a little girl, but Cosette clearly wants to show him that she isn't so young anymore. So I feel like she would have taken the time to put her hair up, especially in public. That's. Yeah. No, yeah. I definitely agree with that one. And I mean, it looked pretty down, but that's just, again, character integrity, people. Um, but her clothes are pretty good. Most, again, most wealthy women would have adorned their clothes more, but Cosette is charitable, like Valjean, and wouldn't have flaunted it. And as for her wedding dress, the tradition for white wasn't a thing until, uh, white, as in white wedding dresses, it wasn't a thing until Queen Victoria made it popular later on. But I'm sure some people did choose to wear white. It's not like nobody did, I'm sure. But I also wanted to note that there's a slight pink undertone on the dress, which makes me wonder if it's actually a very light pink instead of like full on white as a way to stay historical, but also look white enough to please a modern audience. I don't know what you think about that. Um, but yeah. And I did just, not yeah. actually notice that. So I'm going to look that up right now. Well, and you know, I have that dress that's kind of like a, a light pink li uh, lilac that's meant to look like that one. And I specifically asked that it be uh, when someone, you know, went before I was good at making clothes and I'm still not that great. But, you know, when I had uh, someone make the, a dress similar to that for me, I, I did want the pinkish. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I don't know whether it was for history or just for fun, but... I really liked that they did that because I'm a geek. Yeah. So what was your favorite costume? Mm, okay. It's really, really stupid. <laughs> but, uh, you know, the like yellow and black suit that Tenard yes! Tenardier wears? <laughs> yes. The Beetlejuice mm -hmm. suit. I mean, it's not Beetlejuice, but. Yeah, but it basically is that one. <laughs> that's my favorite. That is, that doesn't surprise me at all. Um, 
My favorite is actually in the it's same so scene. It's so ugly. I know it's so hideous, but it's awesome. It's so something he would have chosen to like show how cool he was, but it's just totally off the mark. Like, no, you just look tacky. Yeah, that's why I love it. Yes. It's it's fabulous. Uh yeah, my favorite's Cosette's wedding dress. Yeah, I'm not surprised. You knew. You knew that um, all, like right away. Since you asked about the pink, uh it's definitely intentional. I'm assuming that it's probably because of history. He probably didn't want to make it white because white wasn't a thing yet. But he also yeah. probably didn't want to make it brown because that's not super pretty. And we want yeah. normal well, she... people to put together right. that this is a wedding dress. You know, people who don't know a shit ton about costume history. Right. I mean, I, I like if you're not looking closely enough, you can just think it's white. Um, exactly. And so I, think I think that, that was, was part great. of the point. Yeah. But, and I don't think like, you know, she still would have worn a nice dress. It wouldn't necessarily have been brown, especially since she did have a lot of money. It is her wedding dress. But yeah. Yeah. Okay. Wow. We did that quite quickly. Then I guess we're done. Oh my gosh. We did good. We did so good. Or well. Grammar, you know. Okay. You, we have to sign off and yeah, I'm gonna... we can't just leave the podcast. Oh, right. Thanks for listening. Thanks. Do, 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 do you hear the people sing? Do, 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 do. Okay, I'm good. Uh, do you want to do some karaoke? Nope. Okay, Valjean or Javert? Which one do you want to be? Neither. <laughs> if you enjoyed this podcast, please consider leaving a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. To stay up to date on new episodes, don't forget to subscribe. For more content, find us on Instagram and Facebook at Tailcoats and Tiaras. You can tune in every other Tuesday for new episodes. See you next time.